Welcome to Hadley Presents. I'm your host, Ricky Inger, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with the experts. In this episode, we explore the Blind Shell Classic, a smartphone alternative for those who are blind or low vision. And joining me is Hadley Learning Expert, Steve Kelly. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, Ricky, how are you? I am great. I'm so glad that you could join me to talk about the Blind Shell. This is a really cool device and uh, looking forward to diving into all of the things that it can and can't do. Before we do that, though, for those who aren't familiar with you yet uh, from Get Up and Go and various other discussion groups and uh, even a podcast that you've done on Hadley Presents, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm Ricky. I'm a learning expert at Hadley and have been doing that for about a year. And prior to that, I was a vision rehab therapist working with clients out in the field for a local agency. And in addition to what you do for Hadley, you actually sometimes get lucky enough to receive devices that you can review. So for example, in uh, Access World, you have a couple of articles taking a look at uh, some devices, and one of those just happens to be the blind shell. Yeah, I was very fortunate to get a demo of the blind shell and really had a lot of fun with that. So let's talk about what it is. In the intro, we call this a smartphone alternative, but you know, that could mean just about anything. What are we talking about when we say a smartphone alternative? What is the blind shell? You know, that's not a bad description. I, I, I would also say it's like a it's like a hybrid. If people remember what the candy bar phones looked like, you know, half of the phone was the number pad and the other half of the phone was a display. And it was probably um, about the same size as, as, say, one of the older iPhones. I don't know, maybe about a quarter of an inch thick. So, it you know, it's not not real heavy. But I would call it a hybrid because it's got the the dialing pad still on it. And not only that, but there's plenty of space between the buttons and they're labeled in white on black and in large print. So for those of us with low vision, it makes it pretty easy to see. And the button spacing is one thing that often does come up for many. Just having a touchscreen is not the thing, either because of neuropathy or it just feels like an awkward user interface. We like to have that tactile feedback. Uh, We like to be able to touch the one and know that it's a one because it feels familiar like a keypad. So having button spacing where you can determine where you are on the phone, what button you're touching, and not (laughs) try and press one button and instead press three at once because they're so close together. Uh, So that's excellent as well as having this nice high contrast interface so that it's very easy to tell what you're touching. You know, it may sound like a, a minor thing, and particularly to somebody who's younger, but I can just tell you from working with clients who grew up using a phone that had buttons that you could feel, it's really, it's a big deal. I mean, people are still looking for that. And frankly, I don't think it's just older folks who are looking for that. I think a lot of people just do better with a button that they can feel and a, and a, a keypad, you know, where they can position their fingers and know where the numbers are. Exactly. So this is a phone that can work well for those who are totally blind and those who 
are low vision. And that would seem to indicate that uh, there are features for both. So I'm assuming that the phone does talk. You know, that, that was one of the very first things I noticed was that literally out of the box, as soon as you press the power button, which is also the back button, it begins talking to you. And to me right there, I mean, that everything about that was accessible. I just thought from that moment forward, the phone starts with text to speech. Bravo. Whether, you know, whether you're going to use the phone visually or not, it just, it just told me that right out of the box, it's, it's accessible. And you don't always find that. That was just great. That's true. Oftentimes when you get a phone that is a smartphone or something else that's off the shelf, you're looking at starting the accessibility features by pressing a button or, you know, saying something, dictating it, and you're able to to launch that. But this happens right away. So not only does it talk, but I'm assuming that there are some text features as well that make it usable for someone with low vision, what's available for making the display look comfortable? Yeah, there are quite a few options. If I remember correctly, we have two text options, one of which I I, I really didn't like the name of. It's huge text. It's about the size of a um, newspaper headline. So what happens is you get a few letters on the app that's describing it. Like, for example, contacts, when you have it set as huge, you're not going to see contacts all on one line. It's going to break and wrap to the second uh, second line. But the great thing is it's it's nice and large, and it is in high contrast on the phone. And you've got a couple of color options, too. So for me, you know, I just immediately chose white letters on a black background, which was nice and easy to see. But you've probably got more options on this than than you would find on any other flip phone in in terms of changing background and foreground color. And the two text sizes, while there's not a whole lot of variation, both are large and the larger text size is is pretty good. And so we've talked about this not being a smartphone and that there are smartphones and this isn't one of them, but we haven't really talked about what differentiates a smartphone from, I guess you would call it a feature phone. If you don't know that terminology, you might think, well, something that isn't a smartphone, all I'm going to be able to do with it is uh, maybe call someone or call emergency services if I needed to. And beyond that, there's really not much else there. But I think that's not an accurate description, right? What can you do with this phone, even though it isn't a smartphone? What it does have is it has apps that have been developed for blind shell specifically. And the cool thing is really, I do think that there's somebody really thinking about usability at blind shell. As you go through some of these tools like object tagging, Object tagging is just something where, you know, you can put a a code, there's a sticker the size of a a postage stamp that you can put on something, and then you can identify it by recording a label on that. So each time, you know, the phone sees the code on, I don't know, say your CDs or maybe something in the freezer, it will read that label back to you. And it's just a really useful tool and it's built right in. 
And that's something that you're not going to find on a smartphone without downloading the app and perhaps buying the the tags to do that. So it is nice that this kind of thing exists on a phone developed specifically for those who are blind or low vision. What about some of the more basic things? Can you text with it? Can you check your email? What kinds of things can you do? And are are there things that you might have expected to be there that weren't? Let me let me address the first couple of things. Yeah, you can do pretty much all of the basic things that you might want to do. You can certainly text or message. You've got an app for contacts. You also have an app for emails, which I think is great. One of the really nice features is the dictation on this phone. So for example, if you were doing texting or an email, you could simply press and hold the volume up or volume down buttons. If you if you do a, a long press on those, it begins the dictation. Dictation is quite good. You know, there's a notes app as well. So you could use the dictation on the notes app. And there was actually on the main menu, a manual. And you could click on the manual. And there's the whole user guide is right there in text to speech. And I just thought, wow, <laughs> you know, that is beautiful. I just, I just love that, you know, so it's like you, you can, you can right away go in and research all of the stuff that you might want to know about the phone and you don't have to hunt it down on a website. Back to dictation for a moment. Did you find that you used dictation more often as you were playing with this phone and getting familiar with it? Well, I was never particularly good at the old style texting. So if it was um, something short, like uh, five or six letters, I would just go ahead and text it in. But if it was anything longer, then I would use the dictation. Good dictation is something that is of interest to me to begin with. So, you know, as soon as I realized it, it looked pretty good, you know, I went right to the notes app and was able to dictate, you know, several sentences, nice and clear and 100% accurate. You know, I'm sure that I could have dictated something that wasn't 100% accurate because that's just the nature of these things, but it was excellent and it was pretty easy. Let's talk about pricing then because that's always uh, a biggie. You know, sometimes you find a piece of technology that would really, really benefit you as a blind person or as someone with low vision and then you discover $6,000, what? What are we looking at? And, and this will be U.S.-centric pricing, although Blindshell is available outside the U.S. as well, but we'll concentrate just for the, for the sake of this discussion on U.S. pricing. Uh, what's that like? I think if you buy it from LSNS or like AT guys, it's $349. And from what I understand, if you buy it from Blindshell, it's $399. You're, you know, you're looking at mid $300 for the phone. And by the way, this is exclusively AT&T for the moment, right? Yeah, it's the GSM network. So it'd be T-Mobile, AT&T, anybody else who's, who's got the GSM. So you could walk into one of those stores and say, I'm signing up for a plan and they go, hey, here's this free Android phone. There isn't anything wrong with Android and everybody likes free. But the thing to keep in mind is that many manufacturers will take what Google has done with Android, and they will change that significantly. And so what can happen is that 
the accessibility features that Android does have don't make it onto those lower end slash free phones that you get with, with your plan. There are even some flip phones that exist, but they certainly don't talk and they have few, if any, low vision features. So free is, is not always good in this case, I think. There was one one client in particular, although there have been several clients over the years, but you know, she was like this classic case of going into um, you know one of the the GSM stores and looking for an accessible phone because she had recently lost her vision, and so they handed her the the low end uh, Android phone. You know, don't get me wrong, I'd fight for my Samsung Android phone because I, I really love it. But one of the things that, that I discovered working with this client was that the talkback just didn't work on the phone. It was, it was broken. I actually went and checked with another store, the same model, just to make sure that it wasn't me and the training process that uh, was broken. But in fact, the, the, the talkback just did not work. So we really struggled with that. And the client just was not able to do something as simple as dialing the phone without using the Google Assistant. That was the only way she was able to do it. So in, in a lot of ways, you know, when I when I see a phone like this, which is pretty rock solid in terms of the accessibility, at least the, 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 the time that I used it, that a person's going to be able to use and it's going to work. It's got to be a challenge for people who are either looking for a new phone themselves or people who are the experts in the field and and they're being asked, what phone should I use? Should I get a smartphone? Should I get one of these things like the blind shell? You know, why might someone gravitate toward something like the blind shell as opposed to an iPhone or an Android phone? Because they both are accessible, but it's a very different user experience. You're so right. And I think you, you bring up a really good point. A lot of times people want something that will, they can just make a phone call while they're out walking. So in, in a situation like that, you know, a flip phone that is accessible is perfect and it doesn't need all the features of the blind shell. But then you have people that want to be able to do something like, well, I'd like to check my email and I'd like to do some texting on it. And, you know, I just discovered, for example, that Blindshell had added a YouTube app, which seems to work really, really well. So, you know, when you start hearing that people want some of those other features, that's when you start considering, okay, so maybe the Blindshell would work for them, or maybe they should go on to a smartphone. Are there features that immediately come to mind that you don't see on the Blindshell? that you would need a, an actual smartphone to access? The one that comes to my mind right away is either Bard or Bookshare or both of those. There's currently a book reader and a media app that's available. So you could connect the phone to your computer using USB and you could just download a book or like an audio book or just a, a textbook, put it on the phone and use the book reader to read it. But those are two that I would love to see. And it really doesn't have a web browser per se, although adding YouTube and internet radio, really, you know, that covers a lot of stuff for people. It absolutely does. Uh, the one thing that you 
probably don't see without a web browser or a specialized app, uh, you're not going to see social media, right? So no Twitter, no Facebook. If you're hoping to keep up with your children or your grandchildren on social media, this is not what you're going to use to do that, right? So you would go to a PC or perhaps a smartphone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for some people that those are going to be deal breakers. And I think one thing to keep in mind is that you can have different needs that don't all get met by the same device. So for example, you may wish to browse the web. Uh, You may wish to do some online shopping. And those are things that you might find better suited to a computer. Whereas taking the blind shell with you, you know that you're able to text, you know that you're able to call someone and you could check your email in a pinch. And that's really all you care about a phone for. And so it does nicely fit into that niche, I think. Yeah, it does. And you just reminded me too of, of one of the apps that's on the phone that's it's kind of interesting. It's called Localization. Localization is a GPS app on the blind shell where when you're outside, it really does not work well inside at all. But when you're outside and you're able to connect to um, a satellite, you press the button and it will tell you what address is closest to you. And it was pretty accurate. And I thought, you know, for the casual walker, somebody who may not be up to using a GPS on a smartphone, what an ingenious app. I mean, sometimes that's all you need if you've gotten yourself turned around, right? Is to find out this is the address. You know, now now I've got an idea of where I'm at. Absolutely. So it's not full-fledged GPS, but it really doesn't need to be. For a lot of people, I don't think it does. But, you know, again, if if somebody really wants uh, directions, street to street, turn by turn, walking directions, then this is not going to work for them. As we kind of come to the end here, let's say that someone is interested in getting a blind shell phone and that's available directly from blind shell as well as places like AT Guys and LSNS. That's only a part of the puzzle, right? So uh, you would still need to have a phone plan that's not included in purchasing the device itself, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you would need to take, for example, I took my demo to, uh, I use T-Mobile for, for mine. So I, I took it in to them. They, they got me a SIM card. They added it to my plan and you, you pay the monthly plan. And I think with this too, you're going to need a little bit of data and which I, I had on my second plan. So those are things that you will definitely need. And that is a question that we may not be able to answer ourselves, but may come up. So it's a question that those of you who are listening might want to ask. Back uh, in, say, like the 90s or so, we had a smartphone plan, which you had to have data for. And then there was a feature phone plan where you had a tiny bit of data, but it was treated as kind of a different tier. And so it may be that you're not going to be using a ton of data with this feature phone. And so when you go in, ask your provider about what data plans are available. And if this phone is considered a feature phone, can you perhaps pay less per month to get access to talk and messaging and 
you know, in the 90s, it was like 300 megs of data or something like that. And it's probably changed since then. But just see if there are tiers that you don't have to pay for unlimited data that you'll never use. You know, I think you have to be honest with yourself, too. I mean, since the phone will connect at 4G, you've got pretty good connectivity with both YouTube, internet, radio, the things where you're going to have some streaming services, right? So if you're really into streaming services and you're not going to be near Wi-Fi, you're going to be out and about a lot of time, you are going to be using a fair amount of data. On the flip side, you know, it connects nicely to Wi-Fi. It's pretty easy. So, you know, if you're going to be doing that streaming stuff at home or at school or work where there is a Wi-Fi, then that'll take care of that that data usage for you. So for those who wish to, they can check out the show notes and read your access article, which goes into greater detail about what's available in the menus, an overall description of the phone, and it also covers some of the things that we've touched on here. Do you have any final thoughts, Steve, that we didn't touch on that you feel like we should mention before wrapping up? You know, I was just really impressed with, again, the overall accessibility. And, you know, sometimes we've had this conversation before, too, about accessibility. Accessibility can be different than usability. You can have something that's very accessible, but really is not usable, meaning it's just clumsy. And so you find both with this phone, which is really something I like. And as I mentioned before, it does seem like a pretty solid phone. The menus were all working. It wasn't quirky. And even even YouTube, which clearly is going out to the internet and coming back again, worked really, really well on this. And I think is going to be easy for a relatively new user for some of these features. Thank you so much for spending a little time, Steve, and telling us about this really cool device. Oh, it's been a great pleasure. Thanks, Ricky. I enjoyed talking with you today. Thanks for listening. Got something to say? Share your thoughts about this episode of Hadley Presents or make suggestions for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at hadley.edu. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at hadley.edu. Or leave us a message at 847-784-2870. Thanks for listening.